dude, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was chasing so many different things until I got to what I was doing with holsters. And honestly, quitting my job, getting divorced, and then ha I had an accident in my shop while doing one of those jobs where I basically cut my finger off. And now I'm stuck with this claw thing on my hand. Uh, had to drive myself to the emergency room. It looks cute. Yeah, it's, it's cool. We need to have another surgery. But I, I drove myself to the emergency room. I got it stitched up. And I was driving home. This was this is literally two months after she filed for divorce. And I'm driving home. I'm on the freeway. And I'm going, dude, I'm, I'm like four months into quitting my job. My insurance is up. I have no insurance. I have this one big deal that I'm working on. Negative thoughts are just racing and taking and you now over. now I can't use my hand for probably the next nine months. And I'm building holsters. Yeah, I'm doing something that's very labor intensive with my hand. But up until this, I built a pretty good network of customers and friends through doing this. I never asked anyone for anything. I had a 10 mile drive home. And by the time I got to my front door, I was like, and, and I've told this story before too. So like I made the decision, I'm either gonna do this or I'm gonna go absolutely broke trying. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not going to be 100% in, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man. Just be yourself. Yeah. And, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. <sighs> Mr. Nick, thank you for coming all the way to Jersey, man. Absolutely, man. It's a little, it's nice little, and warm out here. A little colder than you thought, huh? I did. I don't know why I thought coming to the East Coast, it would be warmer than Idaho. Who knows? You've never been to the East Coast, right? I wouldn't know any better either if I came out to you. Well, it's cold as heck out there. So what have you thought about Jersey so far? Well, I think we traveled on, what, three roads, four lefts, went to, went to lunch, went to breakfast, had the best coffee that I've had in Jersey. Good people at that coffee shop, oh, right? Dude, that place is awesome. Yeah, Port Coffee. Greg and Grace, they're uh, awesome people, great couple. They're yeah. local, actually, right up the road. They live probably about 15 houses up. It's, it seems like everybody that we met lives, like, right here. Yeah. Near the beach. <laughs> Near the beach. So I appreciate you coming all this way. Um, one of the reasons I would invite you, um, you and I connected about your Instagram podcast, which yeah. you do a great job of. And what I liked best about it was that you were giving an opportunity to young business owners that may be making two bucks or two million bucks a spotlight and a platform to come talk on. And I think when we first spoke and you had asked me to come on the show, you said that you were doing that because you had a little bit of a intimidation of getting in front of the camera on Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, right? Yeah, so when I started uh, really getting in front of uh, social media and promoting my business, I didn't like the sound of my voice. I was scared to hold the camera up in front of me and I didn't want to feel stupid walking around the store talking or like people seeing me talking to my phone like I was talking to no one. So, uh, yeah, so I, I started doing a live podcast. This is years after I got over it for myself, but I got into a, a coaching group and guys 
were having trouble like doing their introduction videos and and expressing that like being on camera and recording themselves was something they were struggling with and me wanting to share how I got over that for myself I started saying hey let's go live on my Instagram I got a little bit of a platform on my personal Instagram come on here talk to me for an hour and just kind of walked them through it um, I have experience podcasting so I just kind of asked them some questions and my goal was to get 25 people to do it. I got 25 within the first couple weeks. That's awesome. Um, 25 turned into 50. 50 turned into 100. Kind of been on a break after the first 100. I mean, it's a lot. 100 days straight. I mean, there was a couple gaps in there, but that's a, that's a lot of, I mean, that's 100 hours of just talking. On top of, as you know, the back end to that. I mean, there's setup, takedown, like working with them. I'm doing that myself. So it was it was taking a lot of time. So I had to kind of get back into work. But I helped a lot of people. And I reached out to a lot of people that I thought could help those people. You being one of them. Um, seeing the podcast and seeing what you were doing within that group. Uh, I figured if I can get some of the influential people, that would get the guys that are just starting out, still at their job, kind of kind of started so yeah and that's what this whole podcast embodies is you know for those viewers who are yours who haven't heard maybe my intro um this is about you not me but the reason this started was to help that person that was struggling as a young business owner who may not have the resources to go pay someone like a sean whalen 200 grand a year or someone like a keaton three thousand dollars a month this is for the guy who could find some free content chew on it, figure it out, and help himself get to the next level upon what he was trying to chase down. So, again, thank you for coming. Uh, you're a good dude, and your podcast is awesome. People need to check it out. So I like to usually chronologically walk through people's lives and really, you know, figure out their story. So Idaho, I think you said six generations earlier, right? Born and bred, man. I've, uh, I'm the sixth generation Idahoan. My son is the seventh. Um, I've, I've lived in a few states, but I've always drug myself back to Idaho it's probably where I'll end up unless I end up in Arizona once I retire because cold weather might not be my thing when I'm old <laughs> the older I get the more I'm like man this is cold <laughs> is so, it cold out there a lot oh dude it gets a lot of snow right there's a lot of snow so in the winter time we'll average four to six inches in the town that I live in that in the mountains we'll get 15 feet mm -hmm. so but it's it's in the it's in the low 30s uh, in the mountains, it can get to negative two, so it's not it's not warm by any means in the winter time. Damn. How were you as a student in school, younger? You know, middle school, high school. So middle school is a funny question because I I we talked about school earlier, but I didn't tell you that my seventh grade math teacher asked me if I was stupid. Ooh. Which carried through all the way through high school. I didn't. I went to algebra, barely passed with a D geometry and that's all I did through school did the absolute bare minimum hated going to school I had I had a group of friends in school but not not a great group of friends I hung out with guys that were already graduated and it was the last place I wanted to be I graduated high school by the skin of my teeth and did you go I off to college no I never even considered college yeah like not even Smart. I mean when I was going to high school there was two things I was going to Either go be a mechanic, so I was going to go to trade school, or I was going to go in the Air Force. I grew up in Air Force town. 
So mm. no military in my immediate family, but I grew up in Mountain Home, Idaho. There's an Air Force base there. And I said, you know what? I'm not smart enough for college. I don't even want to take the SATs. I did great on the ASVAB. I had my choice of what I wanted to do. And that didn't work out. So I just kind of moved on from there so what did you what were you doing when you first started going into the workforce you know 18 19 years old now what were you doing i think landscaping well so senior year in high school i got a job at Lesh, at Les Schwab tire center um if you're from the west you'll kind of know that's kind of a, a big tire center back there i made good money i mean i start i started making seven bucks an hour but i was i was 15, 16 17 making 17 18 dollars an hour in 2005 like that was good money yeah i mean that's shit what some adults make now like that back then that was that was good money i was making thousand twelve hundred bucks a week still living at home yeah like no overhead nothing so i i was living the life until i got laid off from that job and didn't know what i was going to do so when did you get laid off 2008 uh 2006 six so 2006 right after i graduated um, and then I went to, I went from being a tire tech to working for a towing company as a, a tow truck driver slash mechanic. And that really showed me that I didn't want to be a mechanic for a career. I was passionate about cars growing up, got my first car when I was 12, bought a car, fixed it up, had a, had a dune buggy, fixed that up and, and loved working on cars. I mean, all through high school, worked on cars, worked on trucks, but once I was getting paid to do it, and I was working on people's cars every day, changing oil, fixing all kinds of random shit, I one day just showed up and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. You also weren't working on fun shit. That was yours. No, it was it was just the monotonous every day. My, my blinker went out. My, my air conditioner doesn't work. This timing belt went out. Like, just, just doing stuff like that. And I, it wasn't fun. Yeah, and I just I found myself not wanting to work on my own projects anymore, so I walked in one day and I told Frank, the the owner of the place where I worked, I was like, I'm done. He's like, you need to finish that motorhome, and I was like, nope, I'm out of here. Regretted it. Two weeks after I did it, went back a year later, apologized to him. I was like, dude, I I really did you wrong, but I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Got up, moved to Boise, which is 45 miles away. And started a new path. How old were you at that age? So I was 18. 18? Yeah, 18. And what did you start doing in, in Boise? Um, I actually tried to go back to work at the tire center, but there was a couple of them over in the valley, and I tried to go there. Um, was just kind of waiting for a position to open up, and actually my mom got me a job as a busser at a restaurant that she worked at. And I, I worked there for, well, until I was like, 20, 21, almost 22. Did you have any type of entrepreneurial spirit in you? Were you, oh, were yeah. you thinking creative? Like what was going through your so, mind? So I, I remember early on, well before high school, I wanted to own my own business. My dad, who was divorced from my mom my entire life, he, owned, he did fitness equipment service. And sold fitness equipment, put rubber flooring in gyms, serviced equipment. And I remember going on jobs with him um, on the times that I would go over to his house and we would go on jobs. We'd go uh, to Sun Valley, Idaho and install personal gyms for 
people's homes and put in rubber floors and uh, like small small scale gyms and I just remember talking to him and like riding around and going dude this is what I want to do like I want to make my own schedule I want to make my own my own path like be on my own and that was when I was like 12. She wanted the flexibility like I uh, saw so he, he made good money he didn't have anybody telling him what to do. He'd take the time off that he wanted, and I could go to work with him. And I was like, dude, that's what I, this is Did what I Did you always hate being told what to do? It's not that I hated being told what to do. It's that I always wanted to know why I was being told what to do. Yeah, you wanted to learn. And when you question that, it was always because that's the way it is. Yeah, just listen. Yeah, just, just do what I tell you. Yeah. And then I also remember uh, when I was like 13, 14... My mom had gotten me like a, a side job helping this old guy clean off his out his ranch. He was probably in his seventies. Uh, I pulled weeds, mowed the lawn, split firewood. Um, you guys will see on my Instagram me splitting firewood. That's something that I actually have kept from that. And I worked an entire day out there, and he handed me, I think he handed me twenty bucks, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? I worked all this time, and I only made twenty bucks." Which probably back then was a lot of money, yeah. but I remember that, and I was like, "Dude, I can I can make twenty bucks doing this. I could do I could go split wood, pull weeds anywhere." Yeah. And that just kind of, I mean, I'm 35 years old, and it's still I remember it like it was yesterday. So what did you start doing? Like, what were you at that point thinking? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? What did you? I always, as a teenager, I always kind of fiddled around with cars. People at school pay me to to work on their cars, to fix things for them, install stereos. Uh, Early 2000s, neon lights were the cool thing for all the all the teenagers to put in their cars that flashed the lights. So I installed installed a bunch of those to stereos, make 15, 20, 100 bucks, and then just kind of built my own cars. I got into racing, uh, did a lot of did a lot of street racing and building really? Hondas. What was back like your uh, Hondas? So I had a like a CRV all turboed out, or I had a nitrous? 90 91 Acura Integra. Uh, it's kind of funny. I the towing shop that I ended up working for. I used to hang out there before I worked there, and I ended up trading an Airman, a dirt bike, for this '91 Acura Integra GS GSR, and it had the dual Everett cam uh, B17 engine, which was pretty rare for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I built that into. I stripped that thing down, built it a full race car. How fast was it? Back then, I thought it was fast. It was like 15 second car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was not, it was the not Honda. fast, yeah. but it was bracket racing. So mm -hmm. I was on the high school drag racing team. So we did that. And you guys have drag racing teams in Utah? In I mean, I know. Yeah. We have, we used, we had drag racing. We have had rodeo. What? And uh, for a while we had an archery team. Wow. That's so different. Yeah. That's, you, you don't have that stuff in New Jersey. Team. How does, how does the school protect against that liability? It's, it's outside the school. Yeah. So it's not it's not like school sh sanctioned. It's it's NRA sanctioned at the racetrack. Mm -hmm. So you'd go to uh, Firebird Raceway and race there, and you got to go through all the NRA safety qualifications. You got to have seat belts and all all the all the same stuff that they have for regular drag racing. So were you getting paid to work on some of these other people's cars? Like what was going through your mind at the time? Again, like what was. The thought process moving into business ownership, entrepreneurialism. I think I think back then I didn't even think about it. I was just 
I was always hustling to make some money to do like that. What? Fixing cars. I, I fixed cars. Like, I didn't really do a lot of landscaping back then. I know then. you owned a landscaping company. I, I was a partner in a landscape company for a while as, as an adult, but like it, that really, I mean, being a mechanic is what led to that. Mm. Um, but back then, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't really need money. So I was a, I was a teenager. I was, I was making some money, whatever, but then starting at, at the tire center, like I started for minimum wage, worked my way up, was pissed when I got laid off because I was making so much money and just kind of bounced between some jobs. When I went to the restaurant, I started as a busser and I went from being a busser to the general manager in three, four years in that time. Had a kid at 19. Well, he was born when I was 20. Uh, worked there for, I think, two years before that. And then bought my first house, got married, and kind of bumped into what I'm doing now. But that job at the restaurant was really where I learned all the basics to running my business. That's where, like, I never intended on staying there. What was, like, the top two things that stand out to you that was something you took away and you used today in your business? Well, first of all, communication skills. I mean, the communication skills, the customer service uh, is definitely... You were, you were learning people. Oh, dude, I learned how to talk to people. I am I am historically an introverted person. So even now I'm nervous. Even mm -hmm. though I talk I talk on Instagram, yeah, I talk on the podcast. You're just very smart. You know how to like, chill it out. And so everyone thinks that I'm extroverted, but really... This is the shit that makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Is that and why you do it? That's why I started doing it for sure. But now I do it because I know this is what brings my business to the forefront and makes me money and makes it so I don't have to go work at McDonald's and flip burgers. We're going to get deep into social media because you're very good at it and you've helped me and I, I appreciate you. So at that point, you were how old? Married, kid now, a couple years old. What were you doing? So I was mid-20s. So I was 21, uh, still working at the restaurant. Got, I don't know if I got fired or I quit. <laughs> and it's it's debatable between the people who own the restaurant because I still go there and I still talk to them and I, neither of us can agree if I quit or I got fired. Mm -hmm. There was a mutual uh, disagreement. I had an opportunity to go somewhere else and that was it. I kind of left. So uh, you want Two things, that, though, but you asked what I took from that. One was how to communicate with people, how to talk to people, how to interact with people that you don't know. And a second was how to finance an entire business on credit cards. Yeah. Which I've seen a ton on social media, but I saw this firsthand, how somebody financed an entire business on 25 credit cards. So they just took out the, the cash up front. Do you know what the rates were for that person at the time? So... The, the guy who's, he had a restaurant already. Let's not use any names or yeah. any restaurant names. Yeah, so he had a restaurant already, and he financed the entire build of the second location on credit cards, which I was like, that's insane. But he had such great credit that his interest rates, I don't know exactly what they were, but they were low for credit cards. Really? And I learned how to roll one credit card to the next to hit the no interest for... Money 12 motion. months and, and roll that stuff over because I was the one managing that. He was showing me how to roll that over, and I ended up using that how down the road. How old was that gentleman? Oh, he had to be in his late 40s. And was he, like, 
excited trying to teach you or was he just saying like, hey, this is something that you're going to help run the business with? No, I think he just, like I was, I was learning how to run his business. Yeah. Like. That's cool though. He needed me to do my job, which was to do that. It didn't matter how old I was. Mm-hmm. So he showed me what I needed to do, which becoming the manager is what really helped me learn how to manage people, how to hire, how to fire quick, how to know right away once you hired someone if someone was going to work out or not, and how to communicate as a leader. What is like the number one thing that pops in your head with that? Because right now staffing is a huge issue across the country, being you know the Biden world that we're in. You know what is something that you can point out quickly so you don't waste time as a small business owner in a bad employee or somebody that's just not going to work out? Dude, my system for hiring people in that industry was always, I don't care what your experience level is. I want, I actually wanted the least experienced person. I wanted to train them in our way. I wanted them not to come with all of their bad habits. I put everybody on 90 day probation, no time off, no excuses for 90 days. If you could make it through the 90 days, there you go. But in that 90 days, unless it was an absolute like emergency, if you didn't show up, it was an excuse to me. Yeah, I feel like nowadays, like people get like, you know, a month in and they're like, hey, you know, I live an hour away. Like you should allow me to be late because I live an hour away. And business owners, especially small business owners that have less benefits and things like 401ks that people desire. They're not that great. It's more like money jail, but things that people desire that don't know what they don't know. It's hard for a small business owner to offer that. So he's sitting there and he's taking that person that used to say, if you didn't behave in 90 days, essentially, you're going to go. What would you tell that small business owner today? Do you have any of those struggles in your business? Oh, I, so that being said, I've been to the other side too in this my current business where I was over helpful. I was over involved. Why? Because you knew their personal story or just because? No, because I thought that that was what was going to keep them around, right? Let them, let them work their own schedule. Let them come in when they want to come in and not be structured enough to where they lose the structure. Mm-hmm. And something that I've found is people, a lot of people want to be employees. They don't, they don't say it out loud. Some do. People want the structure. They want to be told when to be there, what to do when they're there, and how to do it. Mm-hmm. Where people like me and probably you, we want to figure things out. We want to change things. Like someone tells you how to start this fire and you're like, yeah, but I think I could do it this way. Mm-hmm. And you have to try it your way and fail and go, I probably should have it's just done it that process. way the first time. Yeah, because that's the way we learn. Yeah. Whereas I know other people who's like, I just want to go on to work. I want to know when I'm supposed to be there. I want to know when I can leave. I want to know when I get breaks. And I want to know exactly what I'm supposed to do while I'm here. Having those, figuring that out with the individual that you're hiring is really important. Um, We use a predictive index scale to actually figure that out now. It's based on personality scores? Yeah, so it's, it's partially personality scores, but what it does is it helps you actually break down how you manage that person. So like what their personality, are they a eagle, are they an owl, are they a, yeah, kind of so, like class them. So, so it'll kind of give you a, like a number score and then it'll break down in some letters and then on the actual index, yeah, it's, that, it's that, a, it'll tell you 
hey, an A personality with a D is this, yeah. and this is how you manage them. And also, it'll break it all the way down to if you were in a relationship with this person, this is what you would need, how you would need to interact with them. Did you find those to be accurate? Dude, it's scary how accurate those are. Mm, patterns. And the benefit to that is if I need to hire someone to replace what I do, I can find somebody. I know that I'm a, a leader and a innovator. So if I need to implant somebody who can lead and innovate, I can go find somebody, give them the test and say, perfect, you're gonna be good in this position. Or I can say, actually, you're gonna be better in the shipping department because you are attention to detail and you really like to do the same thing every single day. Yeah. Whereas for me, I like to do something different every day. I'd be bored as hell. Yeah, and that wouldn't be a good fit for you. But mm -hmm. if I gave you the test, I would be able to read that right away. Yeah, I could totally throw those tests off too. You could, but <laughs> it's it's really it's only like six questions. Yeah, I actually think I took them. My buddy Travis, he was a real estate guy. They used to flip um, wholesale properties. They gave it to me one day here, and he's like, this this doesn't make sense based on who I know you are. <laughs> I'm going to send you the predictive index because it's different than the personality test. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but it was similar numbers, letters. So at what point, I know you were working in the gun industry. You were working in a big plant, correct? So I actually, when I left the restaurant, I went to work for my best friend from high school's parents at a small engine repair shop. Uh, was doing sales and deliveries and pickups. They wanted to open multiple locations. And so I came in and I was going to run my own location after I learned it. Six months after being there, they said, hey, we're actually going to retire and move to Arizona. Done. Yeah. I was like, well, now. well shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I took four months off work. I had been working... I think it was like five years at the three, four years at the restaurant. No days off, weekends, holidays, worked all of them. Had a baby, one-year-old son. I was like, dude, I just want to take some time. Decompress, get my and, thoughts And I wasn't even looking for a job, like, at all. I go Were you to, depressed at that time? Or no, you just I, felt just, like I was just like, I needed a break. I was just like, you know what? Like, I have money. I'm okay. My wife at the time was a dental assistant like we were okay with money I owned my house back then my mortgage was like $700 a month like nothing like they are now and I was good I was like I'm gonna take till the end of the year and I'll figure it out then I was going to I was with one of my buddies and we went to a five guys and actually ran into the pastor from the church that I used to do the radio show with so at the restaurant, I would go talk on the radio show about sports and the restaurant. And I ran into the pastor and he was like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing, I'm not working. Just hanging out at home. And he goes, dude, one of our youth pastors just sent out an email saying that the company he works for is hiring. I think you'd like it. It's a gun company. And I'm like, eh, not interested. Like, not really my thing. Wasn't wasn't into the firearms industry. Wasn't into shooting. Like I was a hunter, had a shotgun, had a revolver. Like, not not my thing, right? My buddy that I was with was like, dude. Like that sounds like a really cool job, like a gun company. I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I was like, what was the company? 
So the company was Tactical Solutions. Uh, and I was like, doesn't sound like something that interests me. So I thought about it. Two days later, called Pastor Tom. I was like, hey, let me get that phone number. Like it had been weighing on me, right? And I was like, you know, it was totally random in my head, totally random that I ran into him and that that opportunity was presented when I wasn't looking. Because I'd never, like, back then it was weird to me that that opportunity was presented to me without me looking. And Why I was that weird to you? It was unexpected. Like, every time I wanted a job, I would go out and find one, right? I'm, I was notorious for saying, if I wanted to go get a new job today, I could go out and find one because I'll work anywhere, do anything if I need to. And I was like, I don't want to work. Here's a job. Yeah. And so I, I called, got an interview, went in, talked, talked to the guy. His name was Robert Graves, actually a good friend of mine now. He walked me through the whole place. It was a machine shop. They machined the entire, all of the parts in-house, had an assembly department. They were hiring for the assembly department. And I was like, this is cool. Holy cow. Like, instantly. Now, was the assembly department, was that like a lot of like uh, machines that you just monitor machine? It was all, no, so all the, by hand. So they had the machine shop, which cut and milled and, and did all the machining for the actual parts. And then all those finished parts would go into the assembly department and you'd put them together by hand. You're putting firing pins, bolts in frames, barreling the actions, uh, doing all the handwork. It was all hand assembly. So by accident, you were just starting to learn so much about guns. But it's, I mean, it's super mechanical, right? And yeah. I grew up like, I worked with my hands, I'm mechanical, like, yeah, I'd be just, lost in there. I'd be like, it, it was just a, it was building, out. building guns was like building an engine. Like my brain works so well mechanically. Like I can see things being put together before I even put them together. So I understand that type Will of thing. Will you build me things, please? <laughs> I can't, I can't hang a shelf, man. Dude, I am not a construction person. I'll <laughs> tell you that right now. But yeah, so I, I instantly was like, this is really cool. Okay. I could do this. And so Robert's asking, he's like, so are you into shooting sports? Like, do you have ARs? And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I literally stopped him and then I go, what the hell is a shooting sport? He's like, like three gun, USPSA. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but if there's sports where I can shoot guns, sign me up. That's cool. He goes, most of the stuff that we make is for that industry. Yeah, shooting that's sports. what we do. That's what we do. And I'm like, <laughs> they're like, you've been building these guns for a year. No, I hadn't had the job I know, yet. I'm joking. Yeah, I hadn't got the job yet, but I left. And he's like, yeah, I'll call you. Three days went by. I'm on the phone. Hey, have you thought about who you want to hire? I still have some interviews. I'll call you when I make a decision. Week later. Hey, Robert, just checking in. Like, seeing if you decided who you want to hire. No, I'll call you. Two weeks later, this is two days before Christmas. Hey, Robert, I just want to make sure that I'm still on the top of mind. Like, I'd re I'm really interested in this job. Now, at no. that time, were you just so excited? Dude, I was... Or you, or you understood persistency? No. One, I was super excited. Yeah. Most excited I'd ever been over starting a new job. And two, I knew if I was persistent, even though I had no experience, I'd get the job. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, I didn't mention how much it paid. Because he never told me how much it paid. That's how excited I was about starting this job. Finally, he's like... I'm going to make my decision at New Year's, like, 
I'll call you. He calls me three days before he's, hey, you can start on the first. I'm like, awesome. I show up on the first. I worked the first two weeks not knowing how much money I was making. Yeah, you were just excited to be there, Dude, be a part of it. I was so tired of everything I had done that something brand new like that, I didn't care what it paid, which was a stupid move. Yeah, why? Because I made $8 an hour. So what? You learned. You were headed in the right direction. Yeah, and I made $8 an hour, and I worked there for seven years. In the same department? Yeah, well, I worked pretty much in the same department, but I kind of moved around. I went into doing some R&D, doing some demo stuff, doing a little bit of sales. I was really trying to move up and stay there, but I needed to make more money. So I, I kind of worked my way. I even worked out in the shop in the end, just trying to get to where I could make the money I needed to make. But in the back of my mind, it was always like, dude, you can't stay here. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to have to like pursue that itch in the back of your mind where it's like, I need to be self-employed. And I was always thinking, what am I going to do? While going through that, I started the fire academy, went through the fire academy in the town that I lived in, became a what they call part-time volunteer. So I was a full-time firefighter, but it was like part-time on-call. So we were required to work 12 hours a week, show up on calls, stay the night at the station, do all that stuff. Full, full fire academy, just like if you were going to go be on any fire department, it was... I think 16 weeks. So I became a certified firefighter EMT. And that was going to pay you more than the gun company. Yeah. Well, I was going to do both because I needed to make more money. I always like growing up, like who doesn't want to be a firefighter. Right. And that, that same friend who pushed me to go to the gun company, Bob Ferris, he was a fire captain in one of the other towns. And so he's like, dude, if that's what you want to do, I'll help you do it. I'm gonna stop you for a yep. second. And this is where I want to tell anybody who watches or listen, I, I actually give a shit about helping you get out of the phase that you were about to get to, which was running yourself rampant and trading your time for money instead of pursuing that itch in your head sooner. And a lot of times I think, myself included, we're always afraid to take that leap. It's, it's big risks. You know, I, I told you earlier what I spent on this podcast last month, and I don't say that to be a big shot, I say that to you, that's, that's scary, dude. That means you believe in something and you're all in. And a lot of us at a younger point in our life, we can go and take that leap of faith and you'd be that much further ahead than by the time you figured it out after you were a firefighter full-time and working in this gun shop, which is probably taking a lot of your time and hours. So this is the part where it really starts to kind of get to where we are now because I was doing both of those. I graduated the academy... I was working, I was working at Tactical Solutions, and just randomly, I had started making holsters in, just as a hobby. But the back of my head said, this isn't a hobby, this is another job. Because I was selling them on Facebook as I would make them. I did that probably for like six, eight months, doing all three things, before I realized... If I'm a firefighter, every full-time firefighter has two jobs. They make decent money, but they have so much time off. Yeah, why not do something They else? always have two jobs. I don't know if 
if any of you guys know a firefighter, they probably have a second side hustle. And I'm like, dude, I don't have time to have more side hustles. So I made the decision after going through all of this, all the time I missed at home, that I was going to quit. And I told my wife, I'm like, I'm, I'm quitting the fire department. I'm pursuing holster making and the gun company until the holster business takes off enough and then I'm leaving both. And she was like, the hell you are. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we have, have bills family. to pay. Yeah. <laughs> and you just put two years into becoming a firefighter. Like, that was a, a big decision. You know, I talk about taking the leap. That was the first leap. So you learned something there. The first leap was leaving something that I was absolutely passionate about. So people always tell you, do what you're passionate about and you won't work. I left something that I was more passionate about than anything I'd ever done. For more money. Which was, it wasn't, it wasn't even really for more money. What was it for then? It was for the opportunity to work for myself potentially. Mm -hmm. The opportunity not to be told what to do, not to have a you don't captain like to be told what to do. or a chief over the top of me. I knew that the, the gun company wasn't going to last forever. I didn't make enough money. Mm -hmm. Like I was at that time, I was making like thirteen dollars an hour. Yeah, how old were you? I've been there for like you? five years, twenty two, twenty three. And you had a family at home. Actually, I was probably like twenty five at the yeah, time. Yeah, twenty five. So yeah, the other job yeah, you were twenty. Probably like twenty five. So I'm making thirteen bucks an hour. It's still the lowest paying job I've ever had, and I'm a grown ass adult with a family. So I quit that. I went back to the gun company. I did it for a few months in the position I was in kind of used that opportunity being in the firearms industry to kind of push business towards my holster business and, and kind of grow that and use my connections. That's why I was like, I can leave the fire department, keep this because it's going to grow the holster side. Cause and I'm going to Were they making holsters? No. Well, they, they did make one, but it didn't interfere with what I was doing. And so I would take all my connections from over here because I'm a people person and I want to, I'm always collecting You're a people. people. Yeah. So I'm funneling all these people. need to hang out people. with you for a full day. Yeah. I'm funneling all these people <laughs> over here until this grew so big. I couldn't be at both places all the time. And so I was taking days off work so that I could get orders done. I was taking days off work so that I could go Can I ask you this? to shows. If, if you weren't somebody who was probably naturally a little anxious, like you mentioned earlier, if you just jumped in sooner and not held two jobs, do you believe that you could have paid your bills? I, I think the problem back then was that there was no information on how to do what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So the whole, the Kydex holster making industry was not an industry. There was like two companies doing That's it. That's not what I'm asking. I'm saying if you did make that leap of faith, do you believe you could have made enough to take care of your bills versus, you know, holding on to this job that was paying you this hourly wage Versus chasing down something you saw as an opportunity. Honestly, I don't think that I would have been successful. Right. Because I used so much of the connection at the gun company, the people, the sales team. It makes a ton of I sense. I used so much of those connections. Because I was going to SHOT Show, which is the largest gun show in the country, with the gun company. Where's that held? It's in Vegas. So it's in January, the third week of January every year. And I was going there and on my breaks and my time off, I was going out and networking with all these people and 
and helping to build my Instagram page and do and build that brand while I was still working. And that was now 10 years ago from today. Cuz we're yeah. well, I'm going to get into social media. Yeah, so that was that was 2012 when I started that. Mm-hmm. And I got it to the point where I left being in the assembly department to go out into the shop because I thought all these other jobs I had, I knew I was building education. Like I was at the restaurant, I was learning how to how to manage, I was learning how to do the back end of running that business. I was learning how to use the computer and input the sales and go to the bank and do all of that. I was learning how to network not only at the restaurant, but when I was at the gun company, I was building these connections with all of these other people within that industry. And were you using social media at that time too? I was using it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I had got on Instagram strictly to spy on other people making holsters so that I could see behind the scenes because back then Instagram was a iPhone picture. only yeah, and people were posting like behind the scenes pictures and there was no YouTube videos. There was no blogs or anyone telling you like how to form holsters out of this material. It was a big industry secret. Mm. And so I was spying on all these people that were figuring stuff out and screenshotting uh, Instagram photos and zooming in and like pulling that over and just kind of building my library of how to do it. And then I realized I'm going to need some like machine shop skills. So I transferred out of assembly, took a 50 cent an hour pay cut after I just got a raise and went out into the shop and learned how to run CNC machines. The reason being one, I wanted the education Two, they worked four tens and one overtime shift. So they worked Saturday, Sunday, no, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and every other Wednesday. That gave me every other Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to run my holster business. Until it got to the point where I was doing so much on Instagram that it was affecting me working in the machine shop because I was on my phone the whole time, being yeah. a really shitty employee. Yeah. Um, that went on for probably, well, 2017 is when I quit. So. That went on all the way up until the end of 2016. But if it was taking that much of your time, that means it was working. So why not jump earlier? Because well, that's what I want people to do. Well, this one, show is about helping people jump one, sooner. One, I was scared. So you were scared. But two, if you jumped sooner, it would have been... Two, I didn't know anything about mentorship. I didn't have anybody behind me or around me. The whole this This whole industry that we have now, where we have people like you, people like me, people like Keaton, who you just had on, like... That wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. You had Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. You had Ed Milet That was back more work, then. though. You had to go but, to a conference. You yeah, had to, you had... You had to watch a DVD. Yeah, that was... You had to read a book. You, you didn't have all of these books that are out yeah. now. You didn't have podcasts. You didn't have audiobooks. Thank God this stuff came out, because I can't read. I will say this. The thing that made me take that jump was, one, I was too busy. Two, I was fucking up my job and getting in trouble for being on my phone. Yeah, I would have fired you. I also was reading... I read the 10x rule. I read uh, jump, and then I I read like three or four business books that were like motivation, business. Jump is really the book that made me quit my job. What is jump about? That is, uh, I'm so bad with names when I need to think about it. Uh, what's the company? What's the what's the book about? It's the guy from that. Uh, 
Someone look it up for him. Hook, hook him up. It, Jump. It's the dude that did the uh, Family Feud. I'm just as bad as you. Yeah. Did. <laughs> yeah. Two similar guys. What is it about? Yeah, Steve, Steve Harvey. Harvey. Harvey, Harvey. So it was Steve Good Harvey's... Good dude. His, his, his social media is awesome. Shout out to Steve Harvey. He does a great job in motivating. I think he's a great leader of men. I just want to throw that in there. So it was his story of how he got started and how he took the jump. And I, I was listening. I was reading the book. I downloaded the audiobook. So I'm listening to the audiobook while I'm running barrels on this machine. And I'm like, dude, like I just got to jump. Like, I just got to do this, right? I got to do this. So I went out. I got my first decent-sized order. And then I had a discussion with my wife, and I said, you know, I need to quit. And she said, well, you're, you're not quitting if we don't have money. She goes, you need to prove that you can make money doing this. And I was making enough to, to turn over, paying for everything, I want throwing to talk about a couple that. hundred dollars in the bank. I want to talk about that because I was helped with that early on. I also observed it early on where someone older than me, they're about seven, eight years older than I was. They went to a mentor of ours in the firm and said, hey, you know, I want to take this leap of faith. I believe in what I can do, but I'm getting a lot of, you know, flack at home from the wife. And rightfully so. She's protecting her cubs and she wants to make sure that everybody's in a good position. But if you can help your spouse... Right. If you can help them be confident because you're confident, I think you can overcome that. So I think having the right person, the right spouse that's that's supportive of that is is makes it easier for sure. But as soon as as soon as that became a thing, like Watch your eyes. I went out and I made the sales that I needed to do to do that. She said we needed eight thousand dollars to replace my income for what was it, six months? You went three and did months. It. So I went out and I designed a holster and I sold it to another company. I took an order for $6,000 and I put $2,000 in the bank and I went and I quit my job. And I came home and said, hey, I quit. And she said, that was a month ago. That money's not in there. I said, here's a purchase order for the rest of the money. That's awesome. I ended up getting divorced two months later. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't about it, huh? I I think she there was some other stuff going on, so mm -hmm. there was there was there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on in that time. But there was a there was a shift in like my mindset to move towards where I am now, and becoming more of the person that I am now, more business focused, more like motivational, positive type thinking focus, which was a change that she wasn't used to, and. Were you not focused back then when you met her? I, I was focused, but I've, I there's there's a like maturity level and a shift that I think happened that she it, I wasn't the person that she had like fell in love with, mm -hmm. and I was neglectful and I I wasn't the man that I should have been in order to like be a good husband. Yeah, you're both was, trying to you're both trying to figure you know probably yeah, yourself out. But one, we were young. We got together when we were teenagers, which is not an excuse to get divorced. Yeah, having but, a kid young, it's hard. And dude, I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was chasing so many different things until I got to what I was doing with holsters. And honestly, quitting my job 
getting divorced and then ha I had an accident in my shop while doing one of those jobs where I basically cut my finger off. And now I'm stuck with this claw thing on my hand. Uh, had to drive myself to the emergency room. It looks cute. Yeah, it's, it's cool. You need to have another surgery. But I, I drove myself to the emergency room. I got it stitched up and I was driving home. This was this is literally two months after she filed for divorce. And I'm driving home, I'm on the freeway, and I'm going, dude, I'm, I'm like four months into quitting my job. My insurance is up. I have no insurance. I have this one big deal that I'm working on. Negative thoughts are just racing and taking and you now, over. And now I can't use my hand for probably the next nine months. And I'm building holsters. Yeah, I'm doing something that's very labor-intensive with my hand. But up until this, I built a pretty good network of customers and friends through doing this. I never asked anyone for anything. I had a 10 mile drive home. And by the time I got to my front door, I was like, and, and I've told this story before too. So like I made the decision, I'm either gonna do this or I'm gonna go absolutely broke trying. I walked in the front door, I got on my phone, I posted on Facebook, I said, hey, I need help. I had an accident. I have this order. I need somebody to come to the shop and help. And I had a buddy, Matt, uh, shout out to Matt Kovac, came in and worked in the shop for six months after I had my hand surgery and until I could use both hands. I mean, I was in there working one-handed alongside him, but I was out selling stuff, paying him whatever I could to, to keep it going. He literally kept this business going until where is I Matt get back. today? So he lives actually in Phoenix. No, I'm saying, where is he at in, in that business world? Is so, he in the guns? Is he yeah, doing so, anything with you? So he owns a he owns a belt company, uh, Trojan Horse Concealment. He makes uh, gun belts. Mm -hmm. So he he actually his wife was a teacher. He moved down to Phoenix. So how's he doing with that business? I'll give him some love because that's yeah, a good no, dude. he's doing he's doing good. He still makes belts for us. We still do some work. I just saw him two three months ago. We went and had lunch. Matt, send me a belt and a bill. Seriously, yeah, that's a good guy. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I I told especially him especially to help you. He he saved this business. I wouldn't be where I was today because I wanted. If I wouldn't have had three or four people reach out and him show up, I'd have gave up. Yeah, like I didn't know what I was gonna do. I mean, you have one hand, and you have a job that requires you to use power tools. And, and your wife just left you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. I was I was negative thoughts are going. I was in a bad spot for about two hours. Yeah. And then I got there and I was like, dude, this is this is a test. We're gonna be all right. Like, you either do this or you go back to work. Yeah, that's what happens a lot of times that like people are so afraid of. It's like, okay, Ryan, and I will be real, I could pull three hundred grand in my, you know, liquidity account and I could take that thing down to ten thousand dollars. And it's because I'm going in on what I believe. And a lot of times when you put your back against the wall like that, your mind just finds a way to get it done. Whether that's fear, whether that's excitement that pulls you, whatever it is, when you go all in and you go all in on yourself and there's really no other choice, your mind finds a way to do it. And I think it's pretty cool. And I think more people should put themselves against that wall and stop being, you know, soft. Stop being fucking scared. I think we spoke on this earlier today when we said, when you said, run it down to zero. 
Yeah, I've I ran, do a lot. I have ran it down to zero so many times, and that's where I have created some of my best work. Mm -hmm. You're laser focused. Like the products that I'm doing now and the services that I do now have all come from running it to zero. Like having my back against the wall, how am I going to pay this bill? And, and I'm not saying that that's a great place to work out of long term because trust me. A CFO me, would be upset, but that's I have done entrepreneurial it, I have done spirit. it way too many times and for way too long, but it's the reason why I've innovated. I've learned the skills that I have because I had to do it myself. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, if you can bring in the right people, and like you said when we first met, get the right team around you, not only does it make things easier, but it makes things a heck of a lot faster. And, and also, what I want people to know, too, out of what you just said was, was brilliant, you don't have to hire people anymore. That's the really cool part. You know, you can get resources off of Upwork. Like, if you're a young business owner and you're utilizing social media, you're in the digital space and we'll get more into that. Like, man, take advantage of the resources that are out there. You know, we have editors that help us out from around the world and they are very good at what they do and they help Evan and our team accomplish what we're able to put out here. Like, we're trying to be efficient. So make sure that you're thinking about the resources that are out there and, you know, again, take, take that leap of faith, take that risk. I, I think something that we spoke about er earlier in this was when I talked about the live calls that I did and being a part of a group, a coaching group, a mentor group, shit, a free Facebook group like The Pit, like where there's people that already know this stuff. Back, back then when I was doing this nine, seven, eight, nine years ago, I thought I had to learn all this shit myself. Mm -hmm. And I was harping on myself. I didn't go to school. Shit. How do I? I know how to bookkeep, but I don't know I if I know school. how to do know it that right. Feeling. Like, I, have, I am the least, like, graphic design type person. I suck with computers. But I got to build a website. I got to do graphics for the website. How do I do that? And I just spend hours and hours and days and weeks figuring that out. And you could speed that up so much faster now. now. God, in the last, Apps, in this, the last that. two, three years, dude, I have learned that I could have been five years ahead of where I am. Shout out to Jefferson Ocean. Stroke me a check. <laughs> I like checks. Yeah, I could have been five years ahead if I would have just found the right person to do it. And now it's so much more inexpensive. There's apps that you can do the photo editing. Yeah, they make you feel like you're a genius with yeah. photography. That Shopify, which is super easy to build your own site, or for 500 bucks, you can get someone to just put one together for you. Or you can hit up Shapeshifters, yeah, Evan and his team. Whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> they run the podcast. Yeah, so, but there's so many options, and like when you, when you start reading the right books, putting the right people around you, spending some money on some, some coaching, some mentorship, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be 150 bucks, 300 bucks a month, like we talked about well, this that's, earlier. And, and that's what I want to do with the pit. Right now it's free because you, you, you had said to me earlier, like, Ryan, like, you know, anything you're doing for free for somebody, like, you're actually hurting them. You're putting them at a disadvantage. And uh, I, for me, to be honest, right here on camera, it's an uncomfortable feeling that I'm going to charge them because I was so hard up when I was trying to figure it out. 
where these ideas and this love in my heart came said, and when I make a couple bucks, whether it be 200 grand, 300 grand, 400 grand, 500 grand, I'm going to turn around and help the guy that's 50 grand behind me. So if he's a young business owner, he's making 50 grand a year, like you were trying to do, and you didn't have two jobs, how are you affording 200 bucks a month so, in addition? So some people will take you up on free content. But at the same time, the world we live in right now, everything that someone like you or someone like me or shit, even someone like Keaton, like the stuff Sean. they, Sean, anything that they can offer, if it's free, you can find it in our content on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, on YouTube. You can find that content for free. Yeah. You, if you want to learn just not organized. Yeah, if you want to learn something, you can find it. If you follow me or you follow Sean long enough, all of the shit that we charge people to teach, we've set it for free. Mm -hmm. The difference is when somebody pays a hundred, two hundred, a thousand dollars for something, now they're paying attention. Now they're going, that was a nugget, that was a nugget, that was a nugget. This is the exact steps. I need to follow it because I paid for it. Mm -hmm. When it's free, it's, yeah, I'll try that. Yeah, I'll try that. But it costs me nothing, so to let it go is fine. Some people like me, like, I built all the way up to where I was on free content. I didn't start paid coaching until just a few years ago. So I was, I was following Sean. I was following these guys, and I was going, dude, this is what he's doing. Like, I'm just going to copy it. Mm -hmm. Now I join the group, and Sean's like, just fucking copy what I'm doing. Yeah, I copied him. And I'm like... I'm paying for this? I've already been doing this shit. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, copy what I'm doing, but maybe try this too. And I'm like, oh shit, I need to implement that. Or somebody else chimes in and asks a question. I'm like, I didn't even think about that. So that $300 is like, I need to get in there and I need to pull something out of it. Mm -hmm. Every month I got to pull some value out of that. Yeah, a lot of people who hopped in lines then, and I, I, I was probably an encourager of that. You know, a lot of them were like, you know, ah, I'm not getting much out of this. I don't know how to use the app. But you got to really search for those nuggets, to your point. So part of those lives that I was doing, those were all members coming out of that group. Uh, yes. And the reason for that was, what are you using this group for? What are you? Yeah, you're in the group app. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember all the shit that we're talking about in this group. You got to take that. You got to pull it out of the group put it back onto Facebook, back onto Instagram. Yeah. Keep it in your ecosystem. It. And you got to use it in front of the people that aren't in the group. So are you telling me I should charge for the pit? I absolutely think you should charge for the pit. All right, so listen. So, Hoffer, sorry, guys. Sorry, it's his fault. <laughs> Buck 50 starting next week. So I just, I think people weren't using it. And I was guilty of it too. So I started doing the lives in order to force myself to do what I was preaching. I was preaching go live. Because mm -hmm. how did I grow my account? I was going live. I was talking about what I was doing. What was Sean teaching me for years? Talk about what you do. Tell people what you're an expert in. Talk about your business, your products, what you're passionate do you about. Think you, do you think you waited too long to, to get on it? I was doing, Not that it's hurting you now, no, but I'm I was saying. Do, I was doing that stuff. I just wasn't consistent about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and consistency so is key. What happened to me was, just like you talked about with the podcast, with consistency, when I started saying... I'm going to go live every day. I need, I need people. It's exhausting was, though, man. Dude. It dude. is exhausting. That is the hardest I, I, thing myself, I've ever done. Evan, Evan has a girlfriend who lives in another state. You know, I'm very busy. Work. My friends travel. You know, I have two children. You, you know, you came here today and you're like, I didn't realize you have an infant. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm exhausted, man. Our kids don't sleep. And, you know, 
there was a lot of times there was rain. Yo, shout out to Bill Durr and Hatteras Print. He sat out here in the rain. But I was like, man, we we already missed one week. We're, we kind of have a gap. We can't miss two weeks. And, and that consistency online is extremely important. Yeah, so luckily for me, like, I have a girlfriend who is extremely supportive of what I do. We have four kids together. We live together. But everything that I'm doing, she's pushing me. Shout out to Brenda. Go, Yeah, Brenda is... And way too good looking for you. Well, she's way too good for me. Way for too sure. good looking. But I mean, just even coming out here, she's like, "Go do it." Yeah. And and I don't. I have. That's had, huge, man. I have been notorious. Um, something that I learned from Scott Travis from being in that group was say yes more. Mm-hmm. I because of being. Would this typically be something that's outside your this comfort is so zone? Outside, five years. Like, traveling you were hitting me up at one and you're like hey man i'm a little nervous i'm like you're gonna get here and you're gonna be good you're gonna like the dude people. i'm still nervous right now yeah that's, i don't know if funny. i'm shaking because i'm cold or i'm shaking because i'm nervous that's funny because you're not like like you like made fun of me all day and you were pretty comfortable like you were you were you were cool well, I, you're I enjoyed... easy to make fun of yeah totally <laughs> i i i agree no I, I make fun of it's me. not it's not that i'm uncomfortable like those of you guys who watch this, there's like seven people sitting back here. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm just we're sitting here alone. But, but that's nerve wracking too. Yeah, and it's and not, these are my friends, not yours. And and you guys, anyone who follows me on Instagram will know. Like when I I just did a video with Brenda a few months ago, and she does a YouTube channel, a cooking show, and a mastering the market. What's it called? For, so I don't know what the cooking show is called. <laughs> You're but, fired. But she has a real estate show as well that's called Mastering the Market. And, and she kills in your area. What's your town again? Uh, we live in Meridian, Idaho. So Meridian. Boise, Idaho. If you're in Meridian, make sure you hit up Brenda. So she does Mastering the Market every single, uh, every other week. And she had me on to talk about social media and Instagram and how to use reels and things like that. And there's three cameras sitting here and lights. I do everything that's on my page, cell phone in hand, cell phone on a tripod. I got to stop you with that, though. Like we talked about this earlier, becoming self-employed and a business owner. You know, you have a pretty good company, and we're going to get deeper into that a little bit. Like, why don't you outsource? Like, don't step over dimes to pick up pennies, right? That's something because, that was taught to me years ago. Because we talk, where we talked about running it down to zero, I got into a habit of when I got too much, you I got down. lax. Yeah. I slowed down. Yeah. I stopped driving. Yeah. I got comfortable. Because you weren't spending it. And I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I did that for years. And that's something that like me and Brenda talked about. It was like, if you're going to continue to do this, you have to drive past that comfort. You got to keep going. And keep going. And she's like, I know you can keep going. It's a different gear though, man. Like, th- that's funny you say that. Jim Artenzio, I hate to give this guy any fucking credit. <laughs> but, you know, years ago, I think it was like three, four years back. He's like, great, Ryan, he did 250 grand, 20 grand, whatever it was, six years ago. He goes, let's see if you don't play all those days of golf. Let's see if you don't hang on the boat all those extra days. Let's see if you don't do this. Coffee's for closers. That was kind of like his his point. And uh, he was right because I was wasting a lot of time. But you don't realize, like, you have to push that much harder to get a full almost 12 months of work. Maybe in total, as somebody who owns a business, yeah, my schedule was flexible. But realistically, I only probably took off two weeks this year i'm fucking in it dude i'm dialed in i want to i want to mention two giant mistakes that i've made in growing this business one i became a a success education not like zombie i was reading all the books i was taking the courses i was learning every aspect the marketing the sales the 
accounting, the tax stuff. I was learning everything, not implementing anything. Why? Because I was spending too much time learning. Yeah, you were, you were, you were working. I was confused. You were working in the business yeah. and on the business and, I was and just lost. on the business. I didn't know this shit. I suck at school. Yeah. So I would learn it. I'm not stupid. Isn't it funny how you sucked at school, but you would spend all that time learning that shit because it was something that you desired at <laughs> yeah. the end of the rainbow? 100%. Yeah. Then the second thing was I loved the grind. I loved the hustle. I loved the, like, everybody going, dude, you work all the time. Like, I, and, and it's not like I do something, like, I told you today, or maybe I said it just a little bit ago, but, like, it's not about doing what you're passionate about it's about being passionate about what you do mm -hmm. i'm not a huge gun enthusiast yeah you said that earlier like but hey, I, I got like like you know only I like a 10 guns, guns. yeah they're like 10 guns that are my personal guns and i love them and they're great and i've had all kinds of cool stuff but i don't want 2,000 guns it's not just not who i am i'd rather spin that i, I want to buy a lamborghini like i won't put that money into that I want to build a badass house. You're not a part of QAnon with 400 guns? No. No. And, and more power to you if that's what you want. I know. Like, everybody, everybody has different things that they want. I, Freedom. I want, a, I, want a, I want a nice house, and I want a badass car. Because I love cars. I've loved cars forever. It's not like I saw that Sean had a Lamborghini. I'm like, i got to have a Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. It's I've always loved fast cars. Instead of building a car, I want to just buy something that's fast and cool. So I will say this because I always call myself out on my own bullshit. So probably for the last five to ten years, I made fun of people making money that were all about these fancy cars like a Ferrari, Lamborghini, and a Porsche. But the other day, my, my client and friend um, threw me the keys to his Porsche, and I kicked that thing sideways, and it corrected itself pretty quickly straight. That's why you brought up the Porsche earlier. Yeah, and it, <laughs> and it was like, ooh, I need one of these, or something Guys, similar. Like I drove I drove the Tesla today. Uh, was that Gary? Greg. 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 Shout out Dr. to Greg, Greg because he let, coffee, me baby. he let me drive his Tesla today. It's fast, that, right? That is like driving a remote-controlled car. <clears throat> Instant. Instant power. And I felt like I was in a toy. And I was like, this thing is really cool. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing. Like, you got to have some sort of, like, goals. And is it a car? Is it a house? Like, is it a vacation? Like, Mine's a cabin. So, some sort of goals, right? And so those are kind of the things that are, like, the long term. I have multiple stages of what I want to do. Like, we want to take our kids to Hawaii next year for Thanksgiving. And you, and your, you and your girlfriend just went, right? Yeah, we just, we just went... Uh, a month ago, first time either of us ever been to Hawaii, we're like, we're bringing the kids back here. This place is awesome. Where'd you go in Hawaii? We went to Maui. That's sweet. I so, hear that's the that's the best dude, place to go. It, it was awesome. Um, I'm not a huge vacation person, but I think I'm probably going to become more of one. Yeah. Because like, it would, it would, like we it talked would definitely about, help you out. I want to work outside my business more, and, and I'm working on that. But I, I know all of these things that need to be done, and now I know how to do them. And I know how to implement the teams now. You were now figuring out how to build teams or use your resources. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I, like I was saying, we have come to a point where there's groups, there's books, there's podcasts like this one, uh, where you can actually leverage those groups to build teams. Like if you need to have a website built, you can reach out. And we'll just use the pit, for example, because that's what you're building and, I, and I'm in there and there's guys who do marketing. There's people in there who do copywriting. 
There's, I'm sure, someone in there that does website work. There's people like me who understand social media and getting our beards lit on fire. <laughs> like, there's people in these groups where you can reach out and for no more than the monthly $150 that you, we talked about, like, it's common leverage soon to that. $150. Bucks. Yeah, you can, you can now leverage those people to do the copywriting show you how to do the social media posts or even pay them to do it for you to leverage your time. Well, shout out to the Lions then and, and, and Sean. Um, although he thinks my belly hangs below my buckle, I mean, we can go one-on-one -on -one if you want. So, you know, I think I'll take him. I don't know. But the Lions then provided for me all those resources to write the ebook, to build a website, somebody who was helping with uh, copywriting on my e-newsletter, how do you set up, you know, your email, you know, server and company? Like, it's not like just use Mailchimp. You need to act active campaign. How does active campaign work? How do you set up all these different campaigns and verticals of your resources online? I learned that from the Lions Den and the resources in there. And any group that you're a part of on the internet nowadays has a lot of these components. You just need to search for it and, and know how to use it. Yeah, and within these groups, there's... Like, like you talked about with the Lion's Den or Limitless Society or the Pit. Like, there's there's people in there that they really know their shit. Yeah. And it might not be the Muscle or Sean or you who's yeah. the person that knows the shit. It might be the guy that's commenting right below you who's done $10 million in real estate deals and you're trying to figure out how to write a real estate deal or mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out how to write an email. Yeah, and they're in there list. helping you. They're willing to help too, those and, guys. And they might be struggling with something that you're really good at, and you guys exchange that value. knowledge and that value. And that's really what I started doing as being part of the Lion's Den, is doing that. And by doing those lives, I grabbed 100 people out of there, so including uh, you, and that's why I'm sitting here. 100%. And we're more so sitting here because of the conversation we had for about an hour, which was, you know, in locks of helping. About how you should put your dry food storage in the house. Yes. <laughs> you did teach me that. And I did that, by the yeah, way. It's upstairs job. in my room. Now it won't get ruined by the heat and the freezing cold that I didn't know you have here. Eh, you know, the beach is warm in the summer only. Yeah, apparently West Coast Beach and East Coast Beach, totally different. Totally different things. <laughs> now you're totally throwing me off. So, where was I? Remind me. Our conversation when we talked on the phone before you went live with me. Before you went live, you loved helping small business owners, and that's what I want to do. That's, that's America. Like the, the, the small business owners have built this country. If you think about all the way back however many years, small business owner built this country, and who's helping the small business owner? Very few people, dude. So, so to be very transparent and very honest, in helping those people get past their fear of you talking won. on camera and getting them to address their audience by going live, one, I was growing my audience because every time they went live with me, every time you went live with me, two or three people would follow me. Mm -hmm. Now they became part of my tribe, part of my followership, part of my customer base. On top of that, it was helping me be consistent every day. So each of those people came on once, I came on a hundred times. Mm -hmm. So I was putting myself on every single day and holding myself accountable. 
on top of that, I just mentioned I brought in a hundred new close fans, close friends to work with. Like we talked about Frank, you asked me if me and Frank are partners. No, he came on my live. He told me about the cigar membership. He told me how he got pushed into actually making the jump and I'm all about it. And shout out to Frank. When I went to Arizona, I went to lunch with those guys that were from there that came on the live with me and I met with 10 of them and I, and we had lunch. I got to learn about tequila. I got to learn about cigars. I got to learn about a coaching business, real estate. All these guys came on that I built relationships with through going live. So selfishly, I did that for me as well. I benefited probably more than every person that came on the live with me. So far, maybe, but but that was there's a reason that you did that, and yeah, I there's a good way to make money, and there's a bad way to make money, and I think that I think we want to help, but I think that in helping, we also help ourselves. What's wrong with that? And that nothing wrong with that, yeah. and that's the discussion I had with you about charging and why charging was so important. Well, I make money helping. in different ways. When you come on my show or Keaton comes on my show, I, I had 155,000 views today on our clip. That's the largest ever, but 155,000 people now know maybe who Ryan is that didn't know yesterday. Well, I'll tell you this. $150 isn't going to change your life. Granted, if you have 10,000 people paying you $150, it might change your life. I don't think that you're helping those people efficiently. I don't think that if you have that many people, you're helping them I'll never have that many people because but I think I'm not that, helping anybody. I think that if you have 100 people in your group that are paying $100... Mm. you're able to really know that those people, one, they want to be there. Mm. They're, they're dialed in. They want to be there. Two, you can focus on what those people want because they want to be there, and they're showing you they want to be there, and they're, <coughs> they're dedicated to what they want to learn. I think that... And that's not life-changing money for you, 100 people at $100 a month. But it is making you go, dude, these people are paying me. I've got to be, I'm held accountable to these people to level up. who are asking for my help and they're, they're giving me their hard-earned money mm -hmm. for my help. But uh, do I want to go into a full life of, of service serving other young business owners or do I want to chase take that money and Take that dreams. money and do, and, and do what we talked about before. Take that money and invest it in a kid coming up, starting a business. Yeah, we're already doing that, though. We're, but we're, but yeah. see, that's, you're already doing that, but that's a way to take that money from the group that you're building. And this is anybody, not just you. Mm -hmm. Like, If you're uncomfortable with charging for it, take that money and say, yeah, we're going to take this money now, and we're going to go fund this, this kid. So in my opinion, and this is not a shot at anybody in the game who's doing it currently, but I think that it's all kind of bullshit. Like if you're making your money off of coaching, you're not really wanting to help somebody. You're really not. Like if I want to go help somebody and I think I'm going to help change their life personally, financially, whatever, why do I have to charge them for it? Like that feels like, I don't know, that don't feel right to me. I don't I I disagree in the fact that I think that you can, you can monetize the things that you're good at. I monetize a lot of free help. If, if you're good... I monetized a lot of free help. Free help that has given way more 
than any of these fucking coaching groups that I've paid $500 a month for. Way more. Free. That's good people. I, I agree with you, but that I also... That have much more money than any of these guys that own a coaching group. I, I also think that I've gained hundreds of thousands of dollars of knowledge for paying for coaching. Uh, and things you will. That, things and you that will. before I started paying, I wasn't paying attention to. You will, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to show all of these people who are charging people for that great advice... And kudos to them because they wouldn't have it without them doing it. But your your capitalism, your long-term play in giving it for free will pay me a hundredfold what they got paid. I promise you. I promise you. Well, that's, I mean, that's, we talk about that all the time. Like, do help, you help others, it's going to help you in the long run. So I don't disagree with you on that, but I also don't think there's anything wrong with charging for I don't either. I don't either, but I think that you could help more if you didn't. Just, just my full opinion, and and I pay for Keaton's group. I've paid for the Lions Den, I've paid Stuman in the past. I've paid people in my industry, and I've gained a ton of knowledge from that. But imagine if you help someone at a younger age that couldn't afford it, dude. I couldn't afford thirty grand. I couldn't afford the five thousand dollars I paid Ryan Stuman eight years ago to send the young kid to learn funnels. But I did it to try to learn. Imagine if you had that for free, and the impact and the good ripple effect that you would have back to your pocket, but everybody's short-sighted, in my opinion. I, I think in to say this and move forward, I truly believe that if you don't pay for it, you don't absorb it the same way. I don't disagree with that. I, I don't disagree very, with that either. I think there's very I few people I don't. that can take something that's given to them for free that is very high value and understand the value without pay to play. And maybe that's the perch that I'm on currently, and Sean's here, and Keaton's here, and Ryan's here, and Tony Robbins is there, and Ed Milet's there. And you could find a different, you could find a different niche of people that maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe those guys are on this side, and you're over here, and you find this group of people that I I haven't found because I owe every I've helped so many people on my way up that I've pro- held myself down trying to help, mm-hmm. and I just feel like. But I need to go through that discovery want. process. Yeah. I, and I, and I think that's where you're at. I think yeah. you're starting to, to discover which way you're going to go. All I know how to do is live out my heart. And what I, like, what I know is in front of me. Like, I can't just take this guy's word for it, that guy's word for it. There's some things I pay for speed. That's exactly what, what I said, what we were saying before, where I was like, dude, I had to, somebody told me, this is how we do it. This is how you light the fire. Well, why can't we light it this way? Shit, I burned myself. 100%. And you're never going to tell me that I'm going to do anything wrong helping somebody for free. Your argument is not wrong. wrong. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong helping them for free. I'm saying on a mass level, people have to have to be self-invested. There will be, out of 100, I think you'll find five people that will take free advice and go be uber successful. And I think some of those guys that are have coaching groups, they're giving out that information for free every day. All those guys, again, I want to make sure that this is very clear. All of those guys are extremely helpful. If you're paying them, you are getting great knowledge. But there's a lot of people who are not willing to bet on themselves. You didn't bet on yourself early. You were the firefighter and the guy working at the gun shop. You didn't bet on yourself early. You were working for the restaurant and, and doing the other job. You actually didn't bet on yourself until 15 years later. Probably if you had help earlier at a young age for free, you might have made that leap or took that leap 15 years earlier. And if we talk about the time value of money, that's a lot more fucking money than you're paying those coaches. Absolutely. So I, I just, I don't know. That's the way I feel and think and believe.
So going into the social media and, and rounding it out, you started Hoffer Tack, and I said that right, right? Hoff Tack. Hoff Tack. Don't get mad. I forget my own like friends' names. It's fine. <laughs> you said, I'm going to run with this. I'm going to build these holsters. I'm going to do something that I want to do for myself. Social media was your main marketing outlet, correct? Uh, yeah, it still is. Yeah. And what, what made you think, I need to run with social media, I need to spend the time here, the money here, the energy? Uh, it was free. <laughs> and everybody around me was talking about how that's what you needed to be doing. And I've found a way to leverage it. Um, within my industry, running ads wasn't really an option for me. I kept getting shut down. So I just kept pushing forward on learning what was trending, learning how to do it. And I'm by far not an expert at it. You're pretty good I'm, at it. Dude, I am still learning. Like, I can answer a lot of questions. I was hitting you up last week. Like, how do I get this Black Friday deal going, man? What should I, can, I do? Put a video up. I can answer a lot of questions, but I'm truly like one or two steps ahead of where the people asking me the questions are. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm figuring stuff out last week, and you're asking me this week how I figured it out. And instead of just saying I don't know, I just tell everybody exactly what I what I did and tomorrow that'll change and social media is really what percentage of your business 90 oh right now yeah at least 90 even even my custom holster business and I mean 90% of, of his purchases yeah and like I said even most of my custom business comes from people seeing me posting it on Instagram or Facebook mm -hmm. and then as far as the Omnicarry side that's all, probably 90% of that is from TikTok videos mm -hmm. and just getting on there and answering questions. You're not worried about the CCP? They already have all my stuff. You think so? <laughs> I, Gigi Ping's watching you? I've, I've been on TikTok long enough. Like, I've, they already have all my stuff. Fuck that guy. So. Anyway, so you're, you're the guy that's like, hey, I'm going to take advantage of all this social media. This is my company. Now, for the people that launched their business online and now you're looking to exit out of it or you're looking to take it to retail, what is your next move? So the way that I'm going to leverage that is, is partnering with a dis distribution partner. Um, so I kind of talked to you about that before. You had a recent deal go through today, finalized, right? So it's not finalized, so I'm still... I, I, gotta, I haven't signed anything yet, but mm. yeah, we're going we're gonna to use another company to leverage all of their employees and their resources so that I don't have to hire a sales team and a shipping team and a packaging team. All of that will get done in their facility and fulfilled through them. Sales will come in, they'll buy it direct from me, and then it'll just all be handled over there. And what is your, what is your final plan? To like sell this thing out in five years, 10 years? My plan's always been to sell. Like I'm not building a, a legacy business company yeah. my my plan is to to do this i want to be fully retired by the time i'm 50 i'm 35 i'd like to be out of the holster business by the time i'm 40 45 and build a second company but before i'm ready to be fully done so and this is kind of moving backwards but we jumped ahead and we jumped around and that's also fully my fault what is your holster all about why is it different than other holsters that are on the internet um so Really, the Omnicarry, which is the the, the main product, the flagship right now, that came from the constant question of what makes your holster different? What makes what you do different? 
all of the Kydex holster companies, we all use the same molds, we all use the same process, we all talk to each other, we all use the same hardware, we buy from the same company. What makes it different? Well, I make it different. My marketing makes it different. My care, it's all fluff. Mm -hmm. it, it can make a difference. If this guy over here doesn't answer the phone and you do, that'll make a difference. If this guy doesn't care that the edges aren't sanded and you do, that makes a difference. But in the end, it's the same. The second question that I got asked all the time was, do you have it for this gun, this combination, this new gun? And I was saying no a lot. The key to me in sales is how do I say yes all the time? Yeah, how do I ding that, that what is, cash register? How do I stop saying no? And for me, that was creating a Kydex-style holster that fit more than one gun. And that's been, since 2017, what I've been working on. Mm -hmm. um, I've done three variations of it, sold almost 70,000 of different variations, which led to the Omnicarry, which fits up to 200 different guns. It has a more comfortable backer, has a flexible back plate so that it can fit up to 200 different guns and allow you to not have to commit to one gun, not have to say, yeah, it won't fit that. You need 17 holsters for yeah. your 15 and that's, guns. That's a pain in the ass. It is, and especially if you're new to concealed carry. Or yeah, like we are here in Jersey. We, we yeah. just got it, or I think we got it, or it was taken away. I don't know. The Murfinators. So, like, all of you guys are carrying SIG 365s, from what I can tell. But eventually, somebody's going to go, ah, I really like, I really want the Hellcat. None of us are technically carrying anything at all. I, I Not have, carrying. Yeah, I have my gun here. Own. That's a B365. I meant own. Yeah. So eventually you might go oh maybe i want to maybe i want to carry a, a glock 43 at the range mm -hmm. now i gotta buy two three different holsters to just figure out yeah. what i want to go carry i'm trying to figure out yours though like <laughs> i don't need five yeah so so we're gonna we're gonna have five six ten holsters to try and figure out which gun i want to carry with the omni carry you can just you can figure that out you can get used to it and then if you want to go to something dedicated then you can go to something and dedicated. this is i want to shout out you you make all of this by hand and and sometimes when you have you know orders severely backed up you'll bring in extra labor but it's mainly it's mostly, by you it's in your shop. child labor <laughs> child labor yeah my you're children. working with Gigi Ping again <laughs> i got you 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 are doing it by yourself you're making these by hand so like what is a what is like a major month for you is it is it four thousand is it three thousand and so so right now the max that can come out of my facilities, 3,600 holsters. That's a lot, though, man. That's you're a very making... specific number, too. <laughs> but you're making it by hand. Yeah. Yeah, That's... so so our... How do you scale that? It's It gets scaled by either labor or increased manufacturing facilities. So in my, in my opinion, it's going to be scaled by going to an injection molded process and then the handmade portion will become in the assembly. That just, that's the way that it will scale. Mm -hmm. Because it just doesn't make sense for me to have 25 people making holsters. Because the whole point of the Omnicarry was having limited SKUs. So having a limited amount of people to make it is really 
the process improvement. So we'll go to injection molding and then we'll leverage that other facility and their employees to do the assembly to scale it up. Yeah, smart. So we've been chatting for a while. The last thing I like to do to close this out usually is ask a couple questions. Um, one is usually give a shout out to a business owner that you like locally. But again, like Keaton, you don't live locally. Um, so someone we may know on social media, a coach that you like, Stuman, Sean, any of these great guys out there, you know, give someone a shout out in, in the uh, online world. Oh man, a shout out. Hmm. Well, I'm notorious for loving my competition and I don't really see too many holster companies as my competition, but uh, Just In Case Holsters in Phoenix, Arizona is one of my favorite uh, leather holster makers as well as uh, Trojan Horse Customs, belts. Uh, Matt for making belts, both in Phoenix, both great guys, both quality products, and both people that have helped me out significantly in the past when it comes to uh, ideas, designs, labor, places to stay when I go to Arizona. Uh, I was supposed to be at a gun show this weekend actually with both of those guys in Phoenix. So uh, shout out to those guys. If you need a belt, if you want a leather holster, or if you're in Phoenix, go check them out. Yeah, it's awesome. The last question I'd like to ask is if you could tell a young business owner, a young guy like you who may have been nervous to take the leap, or anybody that wants to get into business ownership, what's the one thing that you would tell them? Honestly, what do you have to lose? Like, if you go to zero, you go get a job. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can go work at McDonald's for 18 bucks an hour now. If, if you have a job making 15, 16 bucks an hour, even 20, what, what do you have to lose if you, you chase something that you're passionate about or that you want to do? Or if, you just see the opportunity like you yeah, did. Yeah, you, you, you go to zero, you start over. Yeah. That's, I, I, I don't see... You can always see, make more money. Yeah, you can, you can make more money. You can... There's, there's always a way. And if that's, that's something you want to do, and if not taking the leap is holding you back from going to that next level, you're going to do exactly what I did, and you're going to stay at the same level for way too long. Mm -hmm. Dude, Nick, you're a good dude. You're doing big things. I think that you'll probably have a pretty large buyout of your company in the next couple of years. You are also helping a ton of people on social media. Um, we're having some cocktails, at least I am. We're hanging out. You have so much to, to, to give to people, and you are giving away for free almost every day, to your point, just observing it. So make sure you guys get on and follow Nick. All his stuff will be in our bio and inside the YouTube and Instagram. Thank you. Awesome. Have a safe flight. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Cheers.